two brand new tickets are making their presence felt in D.C. From U Street to downtown, from Adams Morgan to Anacostia. Introducing the District Diamonds and 51st Scratchers from D.C. Lottery. Inspired by the district. Made for the district. With prizes up to $151,000. Grab them today from your local D.C. Lottery retailer. Because here in D.C., this is how we play. Please play responsibly. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark. This is the 5AM Hustle Podcast. Get ready to learn about entrepreneurship and self-help in the new era. I'm your host, Jack Considine. And I'm Namish Kaista. Let's go. Welcome back, hustlers, to the 5M Hustle Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Considine, and today I'm honored to have Scott Griffin on the podcast. Scott is the Director of Entrepreneurial Programs and Talent at The Ohio State University. He has over 24 years of business experience. Uh, so Scott, why don't you really quick give us kind of a brief overview of, of how you got started in business and, and where you are today. Yeah, thanks, Jack. Uh, first of all, thank you for doing this. It's good to hear. Uh, sounds like an excellent podcast. I. I uh, I was told recently that 42% of all incoming college students are interested in running their own business someday. So I think there's a lot of folks out there that are interested in what you have to have to say. Uh, so I went to school here, did my undergraduate at the university, um, and went on after that, worked for Dow Chemical. Um, so went right out of the university, worked for Dow. I did that for f- quite a few years, 15 years, worked and lived around the world. Um, uh, then I went to the American Chemical Society for a short period of time and then came back and worked for Greif and then LC Capital Partners and found my way here. Um, I've always been active at the university. Not only did I get my undergraduate here, but I, um, I have been involved in lecturing and teaching for a considerable amount of time. I actually started uh, lecturing uh, when I came back to Columbus when I was with the American Chemical Society. So I've been lecturing on and off for over 30 years. Awesome. So um, obviously the term entrepreneur over the years has become kind of a glamorized and a buzzword term that is thrown around. Um, and lots of people are going to, into business with the mindset of, I want to be an entrepreneur instead of, I want to, this is the problem I want to solve. So mm-hmm. what do you believe uh, in general is the misconceptions people have about entrepreneurship and the mindset they should have going into it? Yeah. Uh, what's well, a Tough question. I, I, I'm not smart enough to know about all the potential misconceptions, but to me, entrepreneurship is about creation. So you can be an entrepreneur in a many different settings. You can be an entrepreneur in a corporation, an entrepreneur at church, and an entrepreneur starting your own business. So, um, so uh, you know, I'm not again qualified to speak to the misconceptions, but I would I would state my views on mindset. Um, so mindset is, uh, is somebody that has a lifelong interest in learning, um, infinitely curious of so some of the mindset characteristics you've probably heard other people talk about. Um, curiosity is a certainly essential. Um, but in addition to curiosity, I would say that 
you need to be compassionate. Um, and that gets back to the problem definition. I mean, ultimately, um, entrepreneurship is about solving problems. And if you are curious, that gets you kind of to one level of academic interest. But if you're compassionate um, and you're uh, interested in solving those problems, I think that's kind of where it, uh, where it, uh, the mindset really clicks over. Yeah, it's very interesting. One of the quotes I actually wrote down from your talk is that we overuse the word curiosity, use compassion, you want to make a change. And a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, like how do I make a quick buck? Like how do I use drop shipping or Shopify? Which is obviously if you want to create a business, that's an avenue you can go. But nowadays you see all these um, social uh, enterprises and organizations that are creating real change uh, in the business world, but also being able to, to make a profit and to support their families and their business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, uh, I experienced that um, with my work in various parts of the world. What I what I found was um, uh, philanthropy will only get you so far, and um, you know, uh, corporations have defined or relegated philanthropy often to just one or two percent of their um, net income. I believe, though, uh, organizations need to reorient themselves, and it needs to be a strategic interest to solve these big problems, not just donate money. I also believe that um, you know solving the great problems out there, the inequities, uh, some of these issues that we see uh, that are that the need entrepreneurs to lean into and address, um, do require a, a business solution. So examples I can give you is when we were trying to figure out uh, ways to improve um, access to clean water, we determined that the last mile was a problem. We created wells that created access to water. Um, but often the people that showed up there put um, the clean water in dirty containers. And so we set out on a journey to figure out how we could address that. We don't have time in this podcast to talk to it in a lot of detail, but this, the, the reason why after we, uh, in partnership with Patel, um, great research institute here, and actually Ohio State students, came up with a really cool solution um, that addressed a lot of those issues. But it scaled because we created an enterprise. Um, we created a solution that allowed women to solve their own problems, which was they needed to create an income so they could create the products. Um, and we worked in partnership with some really smart people, but the scaling factor was that we created an enterprise. Now, I don't know if you call that entrepreneurship or, or not, but the, the, the totality of the solution um, encompassed um, both a social value but also a... Um, a um, I would say a business uh, model solution that allowed it to scale. Awesome. One of the, the article that you had us read before um, our scholars program, I loved the, it read out six values that you need to have as, as an entrepreneur. And a couple of them I really attached to. And the first one is being attached to your vision. Cause a lot of times we are in the clouds and dreaming and whatnot. Uh, and we need to be rooted in reality, but having that day to day reminder of what you're doing X, Y, Z in your business for, I think is so much more important than people actually see because if I say my vision and right now that my vision for the podcast is to inspire um, young men and women to be the best possible version of themselves and a lot of times I don't want to record or I don't want to reach out to more guests and so having that reminder each and every day whether it be on my computer or with my goals written down allows me to understand my why and purpose in doing it which pushes me through all the, the challenges and hardships that I may be faced with. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so um, certainly uh, having a vision is essential. Um, 
And getting, uh, what's, what I find even more exciting about that is what you're doing is trying to get people bought into the importance of that vision and that they're willing to um, willing to invest their own time and energy in helping that vision become a reality. So I think these activities are really essential. Um, you mentioned something about the why. You know, um, I do know enough about starting businesses and run businesses that it's often a, a, lonely, a lonely activity. You're often fraught with uncertainty and doubt. And um, what gets you through those is great mentors. And uh, the other side of that is you fall back on why am I doing this? And uh, understanding uh, why you're investing your life, uh, either to earn an income or pursue relationships, is, is, is the foundation of that, is answering that question why. It's really important to think about. What's so fascinating is that um, you mentioned the idea of mentors and connecting with people that can, can help you and also teach you mm-hmm. a lot about what you're doing. And this podcast is both a way for me to attach to my vision, but also I'm reaching out to amazing entrepreneurs and people like yourself that can offer insight, um, obviously on a podcast platform, but outside of podcasts, building relationships with those individuals. Mm-hmm. It is, social media has been the most kind of big helper for me uh, mm-hmm. with learning all this information that I um, am seeking out on a constant daily basis. And now I have access to all these individuals and it just goes to show how much just a small mentor or someone that's willing to give insight can help an individual. Yeah, yeah, so I'll unpack that, maybe make some comments that are that are related to that. I. Um, I believe we learn often too late in life about the importance of mentors. And um, bar none, the best relationship or the best investment you can make is ones in is one in relationships. You know, uh, surrounding yourself with people that are willing to give you authentic, honest uh, advice is is really essential not only in running a enterprise but also kind of working your way through uh, through life in and of itself. So anything you can do, encourage your listeners, um, students to. Uh, make that investment to identify those mentors. Um, I had I had a great mentor. His name was Pedro Martinez Fonts. I like to say his name is you know uh, his memory lives on. Um, he was my mentor at Dow Chemical, um, and he always talked to me about the importance of surrounding yourself with uh, six people. And um, so I worked for him for four years. He always hammered. He would always. Uh, part of the uh, our touch points would be where are you on those relationships and who are they and what are they what's some of their advice. Um, when Pedro retired, uh, he had these little nuggets of wisdom, and one of the reasons one of the questions I had for him was why were you why why was six important because he always came back to six, and um, his comment was that it, t- it in his culture that he came from, it t- takes six people to carry your casket. And that had a lot of meaning. And um, so his comment was uh, related to mentors. Why would you wait to have six people carry you out of life? Why not surround yourself with that six to have them carry you through life? And that always stuck stuck to me. Um, so it is really, really essential to be effective, whether you're an entrepreneur or a business owner or, or a priest or whatever you choose to do, to really get those uh, authentic uh, people around you that will give you advice. And I think often where um, a lot of people might age kind of get, not necessarily misinformed, but get overwhelmed is they think they have to reach out to a guy like Bill Gates or something crazy, like a CEO mm-hmm. to be their um, mentor. Mm-hmm. It could be someone just a few steps ahead of you. For someone like me, it could be a grad student that's working on um, a startup or for someone else, maybe just a med student that is has done what they want to do in the future and can give them some piece of advice on how they've just moved forward one or two years. It doesn't have to be 
10, 15 years down the line and you grow and you keep those relationships and build more mentors over time. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's wise, uh, Jack, for, for you to look at it that way. I mean, you're as a student, you're here at the university for a couple of reasons, and some of them are uh, often overlooked or not thought enough about, but you're obviously here to acquire the knowledge that will enable you to be wildly successful, and, and the university does that extremely well. But there are other things here that you need to make sure you're prevailing yourself to, and one of them is new knowledge, and that's the research that's being done to solve the problems that are out in front of us. And there's tons and tons and tons of uh, resources here, and I always encourage the students, you know, the books are often written about what was behind us, the research is looking at what's in front of us, so balancing that is really essential. You know, the other piece of that is, is um, we're, you're here to network and develop relationships, and you're never, I can tell you this, my opinion is, you're never in a better position to create lifelong relationships than when you're in high school and college. And, you know, you see that where, you know, some of your best friends are the college roommates, but you could also develop that deep relationship with um, faculty, re, uh, staff, uh, um, administrators, people that come and speak to you and reach out and develop those relationships. One of the most enduring relationships I have benefited from was when I did my graduate work at Xavier University. Um, Father Leo Klein was assigned um, to me. Uh, to work with me on on religious issues of all things, um, but that the, his counsel, coaching, and um, um, just planting of the seeds has have created a lifetime benefit for me. He was a great mentor. Awesome. You've had um, clearly lots of great mentors in your in your life. What inspired you to be a lecturer and to instill the knowledge um, in other students at the university? Well, it's an honor to to even be considered to do it. So I I, I don't know. It, it, it answer the question. It was it was such a um, a privilege to be able to stand in front of students and share what I've learned. But quite frankly, I learned more from them. I guess when I was younger in my thirties, um, I viewed it as a way to stay extremely sharp on my topic. So if I was assigned, say, uh, leading the investor relation group or picking up human resources. Um, I was a practitioner, but if I was going to actually stand in front of a group of MBAs, I had to become infinitely more educated on it. So it was kind of a way to push me to not only do the job, but also study and learn and read all the research and, and um, putting together the curriculum and establishing the pedagogy um, is a great framework to come, become kind of a, a domain expertise in that space. Where 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 it really benefited me here at the university was when I was at Grife, I was uh, given the role of chief sustainability officer reporting to the board um, and the CEO, Mike Gasser. And um, I thought, as soon as I'm competent, I'd like to lecture on sustainability. And this was 15 years ago before not a lot of people were talking about it. And it really benefited me because it, it pushed me very hard to make sure I had good counsel. I was gathering all the information I could. I was benchmarking the best and brightest industry partners out there, and I made a uh, made it a point to learn as much, but then bring that into the into the classroom and share it. Awesome. And we've talked a lot about um, conventional learning when it comes to uh, university and college and all that. What about some unconventional learning, whether it be or books or other resources? What have you um, consumed in the past, and what is your relationship with that kind of learning? Well, I, my, the course I teach 
um, in the graduate program is on innovation and new products. I, I believe the process of creating things is essential to building the muscles necessary to be great entrepreneurs. So I use, I, the class is designed on creating a physical artifact and the students this semester are, are creating a, a, uh, an improved uh, mask to fight viruses that we don't even see that or might be coming where um, you know the problems might be eyes not nose you, you know so um, unconventionally I guess I should say I should say I'm a big big fan on playing and learning versus planning and learning so I I'm big on getting out there and doing things with doing things trying things exploring seeing where it takes you um, because those skills of pivoting and learning from playing um, will serve you uh, will serve you greatly and, and so let me, let me give you an example the world is becoming more volatile and the, the risk is going up so the volatility and the risk I mean if the pandemic taught us anything is that you know we think we're going north and pretty soon we're heading south so um, the world is um, going through a tremendous amount of change and because of that um, you often, it, it's often to use maybe the templates and the processes of the past to determine your path forward. In the absence of kind of being able to rely on maybe old frameworks to figure it out, the next best thing is, is to actually pick a point and try it and, um, and see where it takes you. So rapid iteration, fail, recover. Um, uh, I don't know if you call that unconventional learning, um, but uh, as I've gotten older, I've come to believe that it's extremely important to learn by doing. I like your distinction um, with the word uh, playing instead of like just doing because uh, someone that I've followed for a long time always talks about act like you're a child, like you're laying on the sure. ground, you're dreaming and, you're, and you do all these things. You don't care if you get a scrape on your knee, you mm -hmm. just keep going, you have a short term memory. And a lot of people care about what other people think of us. Yep. And it's... I'm at least for me in the past, and for a lot of people that I've talked with, uh, my age, it's been the driving force for not starting something. Oh, my friends are gonna make fun of me, sure, or sure. or just being perceived as a failure or having made mistakes when we're expected a lot of times to. Oh my gosh, I have to get a 4.0. I have to get this certain grade. Uh, so, what's your relationship with mistakes and fail failure, and how have you used it um, as fuel and to improve? Yeah. Well, again, Jack, you put a lot into that that sentence. Um, uh, so if I could unpack it, uh, one of one of the folks that I have great admiration for, I, I, I'll hopefully put you in touch with him, and you can interview him in the future. Is he? He's probably the most successful business start startup person I know, wildly successful, and and he was uh, going through university studying and um, I think computer science and economics, and um, saw an opportunity and actually didn't finish his degree. Uh, here at the OSU, but went out and started a business that became a global enterprise. Anyways, um, he says the two most important ingredients when asked how was he able to be so wildly successful, he says the two things I come back to was I was ignorant and poor. I had no money, so I had a bootstrap, and I was extremely ignorant. So what that means is you have to surround yourself with, with people that know more than you and be vulnerable and um, try to figure it out. Um, so, um, and be courageous, you know, I use the word, um, I like to use, I like to couple the word 
courage with compassion because um, you know um, the reality is um, this is Scott Griffin's opinion um, we often use the excuse to learn and acquire knowledge because we're not willing to do what we know and I, I, I see that where you actually are smart enough you know enough if you had enough confidence and were willing to maybe be the dumbest person in the room you could push your idea forward there's never been a better time to start a business than right now in the history of the United States. Dollars are available, uh, problems are in front of us, uh, you know, distributive, you know, distrib uh, destructive uh, innovation, disruptive innovation is necessary right now to move us forward. So, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but, um, y you know, I, I, I would say um, in addition to your, um, self-doubt um, please hear it from me you are your ideas are good enough you know enough get out there and start trying to apply it versus waiting for maybe a magic article to show up or a lecture that uh, gives you the key um, you've got what you need um, to move forward the other last thing I want to leave you with Jack is that self-awareness that you have that doubt um, Things are done in teams, so building high-performance teams is essential. And I just want you to know that that doubt exists within the dynamics, not only of the team, uh, but also within your teammates. So when you're trying to you know, bring a team together to launch a business or solve a, pro solve a problem by launching a business, I should say, um, know that you really have to create a culture that um, allows people to be uh, comfortable sharing ideas and. Um, also be comfortable failing. That's the path forward. Awesome, Scott. Um, that's a great way to end. I have two questions that we ask each person that comes to the podcast. The first one being, um, what are two to three books that have had a large impact um, on you or your mindset? Uh, two or three books. Um, the Third Wave, which is a book you shouldn't read because it was very old. was It was given to me by the dean of the business school when I was here. And it... It talked about the next wave uh, that was uh, going to occur in the economy, and that created a um, a lifelong interest in understanding trends and looking and trying to look to the horizon. It taught me the importance of you know I was kind of a domain expert in my field, and and that book stressed the importance you need to move your eyes to the horizon because you got to kind of see where things are going. It's dangerous just to stare at your feet so that book um, and then I, I would say uh, the, the other one um, that, that, that has uh, forced me to look at things a little differently and again it's an older book but I, I, I reference it often is a book called Who Moved My Cheese which is that change is inevitable and it's, it's more uh, about how my takeaway on on the book was you need to get uncomfortable being uncomfortable and the degree that you can do that the more successful you'll be and the more successful you'll be leading your team you just you just have to um the world is changing you just got to get comfortable with that that change that's reality awesome and the final question is if you can go back and give one piece of advice to your teenage self what would it be teenage self um Say thank you more. Um, exhibit uh, the 
mindset of servant leadership. That's the two pieces of advice I give myself. Well, I guess the third book, if you'd ask what the third book was, is uh, servant leadership. Um, has informed kind of my views on how to lead and manage teams, but yeah, that's that's what I would say. It's uh, maybe it's one and the same. But awesome, Scott. Thank you for coming on today. Really appreciate you um, giving your very precious time to come on the podcast. Um, that's it for today's episode of the Five M Hustle Podcast. As always, guys, peace. Thank you so so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe and rate the podcast. Special thanks to Ayush Basu for producing social media content. To follow us on Instagram, look up the number 5AM Hustle Podcast. And for Twitter, it is just 5AM Hustle. Feel free to reach out to us at 5AM Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. As always, guys, go win the day. The world is always on. But you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's Labor Day sale, get a king for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. And save up to $700 on ceiling. Talk to a sleep expert and unjunk your sleep today. Mattress Firm.